0: Welcome to the audiobook version of the novel Mercy Not Sacrifice by Dan Parks, read by the author. Thanks again for listening to another chapter of Mercy Not Sacrifice by me, Dan Parks. If I could ask you one favor, it would be to rate or review this podcast on iTunes. That helps me out by allowing the project to be seen by more people. And in doing so, more people can enjoy it and I can keep producing content like this. Thanks again. Stay tuned for another chapter. Chapter 16, Almost There. The 400 and almost 9 miles of Highway 50 that stretch across Nevada is a place where the eye can search for life for hours and not see any remnant of it. In most places in America, the sun rises to its peak at noon and then begins to slowly fall and retire for the rest of the day. There... On that godforsaken path where the asphalt cracks, as if even it is trying for an escape towards civilization, the sun only reaches just enough overhead where it pushes away any unwanted visitors. A traveler's senality would have to be questioned if Highway fifty was his chosen path. One could choose the route for solitude or seclusion or even privacy, but peace cannot be found there. This is especially so if that peace was not already within himself. Echoes don't even travel far on Highway 50 before they die. The only thing that lives on Highway 50 is loneliness, and it thrives. Jumping through the towns along Highway 50, we saw little traffic and no state troopers. Driving past Major's place and into Ruth and out of Eureka where the snow-capped desatoya mountains in the distance watched over the road we headed west towards them and they bore down on us guarding the future from me their grandiosity began to swell in my eyes as the decision did in my mind could i follow through on the path that i was on passing austin and middlegate and into fallon was when we began to approach the carson city limit sign where he stopped me let me out here jesus said are you sure I asked that's a decent walk the rest of the way into town yeah he said I still need to do some thinking Jesus grabbed his bag from the floorboard and jumped down the steps of the truck it was nice to meet you I said thanks for the ride Johnny he responded be good in San Francisco then he was gone Jesus was the closest thing to a friend that I'd had in a long time You've learned sometime in your developmental years to not fully open up to people, Dr. Healer said. You must have started to do this in fear of being hurt. Had anybody that you grew close to ever abused you or your trust? My parents' divorce was hard, I responded. But what hurt about it, Johnny? he asked. Things, I said, picking at my fingers. I had noticed a lot about my own body language at the time. When the fear was bouncing around inside my head, it placed me in a fight or flight mode. I became overwhelmed with anxiety. My body showed physical signs of it. I sat on the edge of the sofa in Dr. Healer's office. Johnny, we have met many times so far, Dr. Healer said. And if you want to get better, if you want to heal, we have to find that scar and put some ointment on it. He took a long sip of tea while he waited for me to answer. The early morning sun beamed through the large windows of the office and he began to write on his yellow notepad with a blue inked pen. What is it you're holding on to? I had no need for a therapist during the first years that Lori and I lived together. We spent Saturday afternoons in the park looking up at clouds. Look, she said, that one looks like Spongebob Squarepants. And it did look like the little yellow guy. Change happens. But what is lost is the exact moment that it does, or what sparked it. Like a small ember that starts a forest fire and grows to consume a whole village, big things always begin small. A seed grows a tree, a tiny strand of sperm makes a man. A creating god begets a savior for his own broken world. Do you have to go again so soon? Lori asked. It's what I do, I responded. It's my family business. But can't you ask to work in the office? Not yet, I said. Maybe in a few years. I could have, if I had had the fortitude to ask. Since Carmen carriers were shared by three generations of Carmens, I felt like I had to earn my spot. That boy's a worker, Uncle Sam told my dad. I told him we could hire his truck out, but he said, No hired hand could take care of it like me. So I guess he's staying out on the road, Uncle Sam said as he sipped his coffee. His choice could be in here with us taking it easy. Lori had finished her degree at the college, and it was then that she began to change. She knew about culture and worldly things, and her heart began to grow for other people and other things besides a truck driver from Gardenstown. I came in off the road for a weekend, and she would greet me on the porch of our little trailer. We'd sit on the swing Overlooking the lake in the back, and she'd talk for hours about her work. Weeks passed in the months, which grew into the last couple of years. There's nothing as bitter as sweet candy gone sour. A woman wronged is an awful force, and Lori began to act unpredictably. The single wide trailer was only two bedrooms. There wasn't many square feet to it. But when I was home, she kept busy. Lori, I said, why don't you take a break and relax? We can do something together. I have so much to do, John, she answered. It would be nice if you would help out around here once in a while. That Saturday night, I ended up at the fish shop with some old friends, and Lori went to her parents' house. Her childhood was filled with good memories and a loving home. Her mother was a giving woman, and her father never knew a stranger. I didn't know how she took the great model of a marriage that they had and brought a broken version to our home. True love is elastic, as it can bend and stretch when needed, and will recoil when the tension is relieved. But a false love is as fragile as glass, and will shatter into a thousand pieces when mishandled. You can put it back together, and it may be able to hold water, but when you put your lips to it, it will cut your mouth. I liked Lori's parents, and I especially liked her grandmother's. Both had been widows for some time and eventually became roommates. They lived as surrogate sisters and made for the perfect card-playing duo. Salt drank tea. Pepper drank coffee. Salt liked her toast buttered. And Pepper liked hers dry. Salt noticed that there was a problem that Saturday night. And Pepper seconded the motion. They played pitch in the kitchenette of Lori's parents' home. I need two cards, Salt said. Laurie's dad, Tim, dealt her the request. Two, Laurie's mom, Abra, said. I'll have four, Tim said, and I'll give the rest to Pepper since she got the bid. Pepper took what was left of the deck to round out her hand. Tim rose to grab a beer from the fridge. Anybody need anything? I'll warm up on my coffee, Pepper said. Any tea? Asked Salt. No tea tonight, Mom, Tim said. Water will do for me then. I'm just a little thirsty, Abrus said. I'll take a sip of your beer. Last call. Lori, do you need anything? No thanks, Dad. Tim sat down, and the cards went from hand to hand. No partner tonight, Lori? Pepper asked. Not tonight, Grandma. Laurie's family had seen the temperature in our relationship change over the years, and it hurt them in the confusion that we left them with. Johnny's off the road on the weekends, right? Salt asked. Yeah, Lori answered. He's been going out for longer lately, trying to save up some money to get us out of that nasty trailer. Don't say it that way, Abris said. You have a nice place with Johnny. It's the people that make the home. I came in late that night from the bar. The smell of beer was strong on my breath when I made it back to the bedroom. Your breath smells like beer. Come on, Laurie. Stop. It's been too long, I said as I tried to continue. No, Johnny, she said. Get off of me. Passing over into California from Nevada into South Lake Tahoe is a wonderful jaunt of travel. It is where the desert gives way to mother nature and the sand dissipates to flora and fauna and water and the pines oh the glorious pines if nevada is dead and lonely then california and its blessed lake is the essence of community and life if the former had been given a curse then the latter had been blessed by the very hand of god the trees and the mountains and the hills through the el dorado national forest demanded a reverence as i drove through I did not dare smoke for fear that I might cause harm to it. There the pines rise high and the oaks grow wide and the firs populate all the space in between. The air is cool and fresh and quiet as a cathedral. It is a place where nature worships with an aura of gratitude for all things beautiful. Leaving the forest and continuing on Highway 50, I bounced through small towns in rural California, driving through Placerville and Folsom and ending in Sacramento. The capital city is an uneventful place where government is supposed to begin and highway 50 ends but if you stayed there the thought would come that neither had ever begun i-80 continues out of sacramento and i came to davis and vacaville and past fairfield and when i drew near to vallejo my focus began to center at the san pablo bay when i reached the first of two bridges that took me into the city california is still the place that it always has been for decades of generations it has been where people go to make their dreams come true. Americans moved to California to make a better life, for a new beginning or for a second chance. My mom and dad moved out to San Francisco back in the 1980s. Dad wanted to get out from underneath Grandpa John's thumb at Carmen Carriers where the pressure was strong as the 80s were a rough decade to do business in with high fuel costs and prime interest rates and an atmosphere where only the strong could survive. My dad found work with the public transit authority out in the bay. He started with buses, but he found his niche with the trains. My mom's art blossomed when she hit the Bay Area. She had come from a large family with many sisters, and at home she'd always been overshadowed by the achievement of the older or pushed aside to provide sympathy for a younger sister. Life in the city wasn't perfect for them, or easy, but they had the kind of happiness that comes from learning and the struggle that comes with it. At Golden Gate Bridge Park, they sat and talked and dreamed. She wanted a house near Alamo Square. A Victorian-era house, she said just like the painted ladies. He wanted a boat to take out on the bay. If it's got space to park the boat, he said, I'll name it, California Dreamin'. It changed with the birth of my older brother, Ian. She redecorated the spare bedroom that had been an office into a nursery and painted it pearl white with blue stripes. We're going to have to live differently when our boy gets here, she said in a maternal tone. But when Ian was born, he went out and bought his boat. The Alfred-Zampa Memorial Bridge was the first bridge that I crossed. It's a dull concrete structure made of two pillar suspensions. The Bay Bridge coming after is a longer span with suspensions hanging from four pillars that had crumbled during the 1989 earthquake, after which she demanded a move. This city is no place to raise children. Even the earth here is turning in on itself. But my dad loved this city. And he didn't want to go. But his wife... And life beckoned him to do so. Life had gotten tough for them as they grew older and further apart. It was natural to change after children, but they forgot to change together. He hadn't made a payment in six months and he knew that his days with his boat were numbered. When he got it in the water, he smiled like he had when they first moved to California. That was until he reached the wreckage of the Old Bay Bridge. The hazard in the water had changed the trajectory of his life Grandpa John had said to steer towards the wreck to avoid it, but my dad didn't. The wind picked up and threw a combination of hard punches that caught the side of his boat. He fought it, but the wind won round after round and blew his boat against the ropes and into the old pillars of the fallen bridge. He became conscious as the top of the sea ray had finished sinking into the bay and laid on a piece of the road from the old bridge and looked up to the sky and said, I will. The relic that is Bay Area paper had been in business providing the printed word for San Franciscans for over a century. It's down one of the many hills in the South Beach neighborhood where a hard left turn brought my truck into the receiving lot. I docked around back by the trees and set the truck's brakes. Stepping out of the cab and to the driver's side of the trailer, I picked up the rubber wheel chalk and set it in between the trailers tandems. Up the metal steps and inside the office sat a once-housed wife. With a cheery face and purple lipstick, I handed her the bills to my load. Dropping off, I nodded. She handed me the statement of receiving late that Monday morning. Could I leave my truck in the bay? As long as you come back for it. But coming back for the truck was the last thing on my mind.